Welcome to Unbreakable Spirit, stories of inspiring and thriving with Jennifer Seven, co-author of a book that is part of the Sisterhood Folios, a number one international bestseller. This is a podcast about real women who've overcome tremendous obstacles and come out on the other side to thrive. Whether their hardships were financial, relational, or health, these women dug deep and found the light out of the dark to rise from the ashes, to find the ability to forgive, to love, and to live an authentic, joyful life. Now, here is your host, Jennifer Seven. Welcome listeners. I am excited as always to have another amazing, wonderful guest here today. I have Angela Wilson. And let me tell you just a little bit about Angela as we get started in our conversation today. Angela actually is from, she's living in the UK right now, but her first home country was in Romania. And she's been in the UK since 1999. So she's uh, chatting with us from across the ocean. She's traveled the world and she has coached tennis. She's a personal trainer. She's a sports psychologist. And she's done this internationally. Education is that she is an NLP master, a sports psychologist, a pro tennis coach. She's also certified in advanced nutrition for performance And very interestingly, she is a spiritual life coach and an explorer. And recently, she's been taking courses on dog behaviorists. So that's very interesting. She herself has been an athlete for many years. And she was competitive in tennis, handball, kayak, canoe, aikido, and other martial arts throughout her childhood and as a young adult. In addition to that, she is one of our authors and our unbreakable spirit. And there is so much more to tell you about Angela, but I want to welcome Angela. Thank you for being here. I appreciate Jen for the invitation. Yeah. And uh, it's a pleasure for me to, to meet uh, someone else from that amazing book that we wrote back then. I know. In 2018, right? Yes. Um, I love the stories and, and I think it's great to see women coming together in real story because I think Carol did a great job in collecting real life stories. She did. Is more touchable and it's more resonating rather than you just create a story and you put it in the book. Yeah, exactly. And the title was very, very resonating with me back then. It sure Even resonated now. with me too. And I think that's why we all felt compelled to tell our stories of our own unbreakable spirits. And I think too that the message is to to hopefully empower women or give them the opportunity to hear something that might make a difference in their own lives as we go through these difficult times and then where where do we come out on the other side so that being said let's talk about your story so do you want to go back and talk a little bit about what you wrote about in in your chapter so my chapter i was in two minds what to put in that chapter but in the end i decided to go about the experience of my father passing away Mm-hmm. about seven years ago now. And uh, I thought it would resonate because every single one of us has someone that eventually passes away and has probably unfinished businesses <laughs> and mm-hmm. then can cause a bit of a, a, a shake or a trauma or a way of looking forward for a self-healing because mm-hmm. you cannot let things 
to 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 you know to stay in there like linger inside you and not finding answers and i think we by design we are in that uh, journey to always find answers and heal and get better were you finding that there was healing you needed to do or you th- or it was healing with your dad or healing between the two of you I ended up heal- believing that it's between the two of us because mm-hmm. I was no angel other. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like kids are rebellious and all that stuff. So I had a bit of a feisty um, uh, character back then. And uh, the, the sports that I practiced since I was five and a half, six, I think it developed that competitiveness. Uh, and sometimes that competitiveness can take a, a, a fine line between uh, a fair competitiveness and extended competitiveness, which can bring a bit of aggression, mm-hmm. um, like rebellious attitude, mm-hmm. if you want to. It sounds like your dad was not the easiest man either. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your dad? He was a sporty man in his youth, I understood, from him and my mom. He grew up in uh, northeast of Romania and was born in 1945, so right after the Second World War. Tough times for the entire country and I believe East Europe. His father passed away soon after, from what I remember. And then uh, my grandmother, I think, had a hard time with five children. That's a lot of children. (laughs) That's a lot of children, yeah. And uh, I think she was a bit supported by her three two daughters and three sons. So she has so the two daughters. And I came to peace in a way with my father because I was thinking, I, you can't blame a person because you have to look at the background, the upbringing, the construct of the concepts of that society or that generations mm-hmm. or generation because you, you have... You always have two, two, three generations that either clashed or they created a harmonious environment. And if that harmony is missing, then I think every soul thrives in getting better. And I think this is what he did to get better, to leave the village and move to the city, largest city than where he was born or little towns. So I think it's, it's the expansion on that. But with that, sometimes... If the mastering of your own emotions is not quite there, I think mm-hmm. it can create this tribe and uh, fight of survival in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially coming off the war. It must have been a very difficult time growing up post yes, yes. post World War II. I mean, soulfully, I think, I believe he was a good man. He just doesn't know how to, to express all that. And I mm-hmm. think we all have, we all meet people like this either is a, is a member of family or is a friend and they'll think like, go on, let it out. But mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, when it's tough times, you, you tend not to uh, trust. Mm-hmm. And I think these came out as in trust, self-trust, um, his uh, relationships socially. I think he felt sometimes uh, maybe a little bit less appreciated to say so. Mm-hmm. So then it's, it's a, inner fight to prove that no I'm not the way you think okay. but we are the way we think we had a clash of personalities in there the character <laughs> so so did you have siblings brothers sisters no 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 oh, you were the only child yeah I that was, was a lot of focus on you 
Yes. So my dad was in one way with his mentality how to raise kids. My mother was more like to uh, being the only child to uh, probably raise me more as an independent Mm -hmm. person. And then probably she was thinking ahead, okay, she needs to be an independent woman because you can't just go and rely on men all the time. You can also be a victim as well if you if you show too much of a, a, right. a weakness in your vibration, right? So then uh, she brought me up more like that. And uh, I mean, my dad was the one initiated the sporting activities. Okay. Uh, yeah. Calmer down or whatever. Yeah. So I'm grateful. <laughs> as early as five, huh? As early. <laughs> you were five yeah, when you started. <laughs> He built up the tennis court with other oh. parents, another five or six parents. They built up in, uh, we have this, um, what do you call it? It's uh, more like a shape of you okay. sort of blocks. And in between, there was some muddy stuff. And so, so what I did, they put money together and they bought all these sand and stuff. So they did the layer and they made a tennis court. Wow. Yeah, they bought the tennis balls and the net. They they painted the lines, you know, all that stuff. So there were a bunch of kids there. So they <laughs> saw me, I think, from the um, from the window that I was sitting down and I'm not playing and I want to engage, but I don't know how. Mm-hmm. So basically, the next day he bought me a racket. It was heavy as a <laughs> brick, but I, I had a racket. Awesome. Yeah, so it was one of those back one when we were a wooden one. You know, uh-huh. like, oh, I remember yeah. those. <laughs> like Splashinger. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. They were, they were good. Like a good pan fry, but you can yeah. make pancakes on them. But I know. Rackets are good. very I mean, different now. They're, they're so they're, lightweight now. Oh, yeah. 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 A lot of graphite, a lot of so, alloy. And, uh, so you started stuff. sports at that age, but then you also had this. I, I want you to share a little bit about this, these spiritual gifts that you had, because they were coming forward as you were young as well. And, and I want to talk about that because that brings us, you know, to when your dad passed and what happened then, but let's talk about your first experience with some of your gifts. So I had these um, premonitions, which I could make sense out of that. So I was brought up as um, a Greek Orthodox. So there's a lot of, um, a, a tradition to go to the church and go to the service and all that stuff, right? So we did that and brought up in praying and all the rest of the, uh, sometimes dogmatic because I believe religious religions do have this dogmatic tent because are used more for, um, let's say, leading the masses into a certain way. Mm-hmm. So for me, the dogma is a limiting thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. allow you to explore your entire spirituality. As right. Being. It's kind of controlling, it's, honestly. Exactly. It's, it's a controlling tool, yes. But uh, then I learn about it. That there are three types of dreams. There, there's a dream that you're, uh, you, ha- you potentially have a, a story because your retina re- register, whatever register throughout the day, as in events, wherever you are going. Uh, it may be a message there may not be maybe just a creation of the of the mind. Then you have the second type of dream with a uh, message in it. So maybe only part of that dream has actually a connotation to you. And then the third one is the premonition when are shown to you like a sort of deja vu, so are shown to you events that are going to take place. 
So I had that. I saw my um, uncle's death, then then my grandmother's death, which is my mom's side. So my mother's mother and my mother's uh, brother, one of them. And then I saw my death. And I was like, oh, okay. This oh, is my, oh, my. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> but what was interesting for me to, not, to notice every single time that I did not feel any fear okay. of death. So I think I always had a, a strong faith inside that it's just a transition way mm-hmm. from one form to a different form. Mm-hmm. And then my mother said, okay, okay, this is my this. You can have these dreams. Yes, they can happen. You have all the elements that you are needing to know, but the whole point is do not fear death. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, and- 12 years old there. That oh, was I was going to ask you. I was going to say, how old were you when that was happening? Yeah, so Around 12. 12 yes. Okay. Yeah. You're how- a child still. No? Yes. And you're so open. Those- yes. That yes. was the you're- best part. Well, and I think it's awesome that you were able to talk to your mom, that your mom didn't dismiss it, that she recognized it and didn't tell you you were crazy or something else. She she said, no, this is, this is real. So can that I was- ask? Yeah, are you willing to share what the premonition was about your own death? If if you're not willing to share, that's okay. If it's private, but I think what yes, I can share. It it could help other people as well. So when I once I understood that it death is not something that has been built in our mind that always you know all these shabangan obituary they they seem to be quite. I don't know if cruel, but morbid, for sure, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the way we create them. So once I understood that it's only a transition, then it was shown to me that in a premonition that I was dying and I was waiting for that. And I knew it's going to be a day of Wednesday, uh, three o'clock. And then now I take these elements. Three, again, is the trinity in us, right? Okay, yes. So we start decoding. And... Uh, what is Wednesday? This is a day, what happened, what happened, right? And it's the third day in the week. Oh, Wednesday, so we have right? another three. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So if we go by decoding the dream by Nikola Tesla's understanding, everything is vibration, everything is numbers, everything times up to nine, right? Okay. There you go, we have a nine. Yeah, a divine number. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I found that okay, so it's gonna be Wednesday. It was I was w- looking at my watch and it showed me like about two o'clock, and I said, oh, "Okay, I have another hour to hang around." <laughs> and, and you're twelve at this point. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Yeah, okay," but um, and I was looking to see what age I am, okay, because I did identify myself vibrationally. That is me. Mm-hmm. So it's the same way that. We all have a fingerprint, same as with the vibrational signature that every single person has, right? So now in brackets, when you meet a person, there's a vibration that you have met before and you had a certain encounter, positive or negative, right? And that's why within 10 seconds, we like the person or we don't. We click or Mm -hmm. we don't. Okay, Okay. because it's all about that energy, that vibration. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, this can say a lot of blah, 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 right? Uh But your eyes will never lie and your heart will never lie. Yeah, that's so true. Because you meet someone, you just go, boy, I just don't like that person. And you don't really know why. 
It just doesn't, Mm -hmm. or, wow, I really like that person. And you connect with them right away. Yes. So if we could remember all this, but we will remember all this as we turn into awakening activity, if you want. Mm -hmm. So then I tried myself, okay, fine. Uh, And I go closer to three o'clock. Three o'clock came, nothing happened. Mm -hmm. Four o'clock came, right? And I was like, okay. So this is it. It's just a transition in a different form. Just me to acknowledge that it's nothing to be scared of because we have created this. Obituary for me, I found them to be scary with a sort of interest behind. Mm-hmm. Instead of, because we talked about the religion being one of the tools that can control masses. And I think it's not right. So... I dreamt that. So, okay, nothing happens. It's just another form of leaving okay. into a different spiritual realm. Yeah. So, you didn't ex- experience anything horrific or no. scary, no. like you said. It was just, yes. Just, just and life went on or, or the moment went on. Yes. And then I started exploring more of these and uh, I, uh, I used to pray quite a lot. Uh, I did once about 40 days of black fasting which is your fasting like ramadan sort of yeah okay you only mm-hmm. eat in the in the after sunset and all that stuff that was tough that was tough and then th- that experience actually made me understand that fasting it's not about you don't eat or you don't drink or you don't right fasting starts completely from what you're thinking how is your judgment towards others or isn't or control your thoughts? That was another way when I learned that I can be on an imaginary, on a, a platform of uh, passing trains and the passing trains are my thoughts. Mm. I don't need to engage with them mm-hmm. because we are an antenna. We emit thoughts and we receive thoughts. And was also a time when I realized that I can acknowledge what kind of thoughts belong to me because I emit it uh-huh. and what are inflicted. And we are now in, a, uh, they said, third world war, but it's not going to be. What it, it is, is a psychological war where we have so much influences on this. Mm-hmm. Can you see it? Does it make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. So when you identify what thoughts are yours created by you, you can start on correcting behaviors. For me, for me, it's like this. I learn to understand which are my thoughts, what my brain emits as a thought mm-hmm. and what is an influence. Because the influence can be very subtle from all sorts of levels. Are you saying in, influence? Is that what you're saying? Yes. How, how yes. you are yes. being influenced. Okay. Or yes. your thoughts are being influenced. Your thoughts can be influenced as well because we are receptors. Well, mm-hmm. the, the human body is like an antenna, right? Mm-hmm. Emits thoughts and vibrations and mm-hmm. gives out and receives at the same time. So with that, I learn uh, practicing silence if you want to. Mm-hmm. And imaginary, you can see yourself on the platform, very comfortable. And the trains are the thoughts that are passing by. Which one you resonate more, you extract that and you analyze it the source that is coming from it can most of the time it happens to be from the childhood because with 
until seven years old, we are a sponge to whatever is tossed at us yes. educationally. Mm-hmm. So you have your ma- micro micro um, environment, which is your family, and it mm-hmm. macro expands as you start having friends, school, work, and social encounters, right? Yes. So that's where I think we get a bit more lost in either way, either the upbringing or the expansion of these relations that we have. Mm-hmm. So when I realized that I can understand which are my thoughts and which are not, it, it helped me to be more uh, diligent in how I express, how I articulate what I think. And if it doesn't resonate with me, it's not necessarily from me. So then I realized, what influence do I have? Who are my good friends? Who are not? Who have in, whatever you, you intend, the intention is behind of an action. Not all intentions are positive. Correct. Correct. And that's why it's nice to check yourself and say, what is my intention here? Is it, is it a good, did I have a good intention or not? And I also love what you're saying about thoughts because I, I had another guest on and she's a thought coach and it was a really interesting conversation because what a lot of people don't realize is that you were saying is so many of the thoughts aren't the truth about who you are, but we get these negative thoughts, we get this, a lot of negativity coming at us. And if we choose to believe that it can really affect our mental health, but beginning to understand that, no, those are not the truth. That is not the truth of me. That is not my truth. It's part of growing and, and it's powerful when you can begin to do that. So I love your analogy about the trains going by. It's like, yeah, that's no, not my train no. or that's not the door I want to go through on that train. I mean, you can imagine anything. For me, that was much easier to relate in that way. So mm-hmm. I was thinking in, in that sense, what are my thoughts? Are my thoughts and why they are like that? But it's also a very fine line to deny all the time that they're, they're not yours, they're not yours, is the same when it's a lot easier to blame and have mm-hmm, excuses. Mm-hmm. Why did you fail in life? I mean, failure is, is, failure is not a bad thing. I think it's part lessons to be learned. Oh, I agree with you 100%. Failure, yeah. Right? Failure shows you elements that you have to make that distinction. Why the choice equals that consequence. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think sometimes that's how we grow. We have to fail and then look at it and go, okay, I'm going to go again. I'm going to go again. Why they say some incredibly successful people have had multiple businesses that have failed, but they just keep going and they learn. Yes. Zig Ziglar said that, right? Mm-hmm. He had multiple failures in business until he actually managed to set up one that would open a lot more doors. Exactly, mm-hmm. and I think on a, on a, on a level of with every person would be the same thing. Is it a failure, or is a way to be shown to me that somewhere along that path, from the intention to the manifestation, something happened step by step that I did not pay enough attention, I wasn't focused enough, or I didn't have the right level of self-discipline to Mm -hmm. capitalize based on my intention 
Now, the intention is not always honest mm-hmm. or is honest. Either way, the consequences will show you or along that will show you certain um, red flags if you want to or will show you through the consequences where did you not know how to act, not react, or you did react. Because people are, pu- are pushing your, your buttons every day, all day long. Yes, they are. <laughs> yes, well, they and, are. I, and I love what you're talking about right now, because as we mentioned, Angela is a coach. So we're helping you work through these situations, I'm sure is something you do with people that work with you, right? Yes, yes, I do. So when I when I uh, step into a, a spiritual life coaching, I would say more explorer because I don't think we're quite a coach, a master, ascended mm-hmm. master would be a coach for me. Okay. Okay. So I think, okay. I think we're all pretty much explorers with more or less knowledge or more awakening or less awakening you know, in that respect. What, I'll, I'll give you a very simple example which we'll see, you'll see how I can extrapolate that into a different subject like sports psychology or tennis coaching. Mm-hmm. Yes. So to complement this spiritual life coaching with the techniques from NLP, neural investing programming, no illness happens within the body physically or in physical apparatus unless something does is unless something is distorted in our spiritual understanding. So what happens, it moves down. If the f- beliefs and the spiritual understanding is distorted, it will come down into a negative thoughts. I call it stinking thinking. Okay. Then it will, come, will trigger emotions. Now they're already negative because the tone has been set by the thoughts. Mm-hmm. The more persistent these one are, the emotion and the thoughts, they'll need to be released because it's a vibration, it's an energy. They'll need to be released somewhere. And usually goes into the third element, which is the physicality. The body. The body, exactly. Now, if we look at the theosophic and esoteric teachings, like Walter Russell, for instance, he's an amazing writer. And uh, he was um, autodidact. He was a painter. He had, uh, I thought about a few books <laughs> written by him. It's, it's amazing. And he was a painter as well. He's American. And he has a like a map of the spiritual distortion that caused whatever illnesses. Walter Russell. Okay. So it gets into your body and then over gets time. Gets into your body. And over time, it manifests. Now, neuroscience and epigenetics, which probably most most known people into these two subjects or topics are Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton. They are proving us with thousands of examples of people who healed themselves from illnesses they were to the, le- to, to the level of ter- being terminal, like cancers, for instance. Cancer is related to the ego. To the ego. The prostatic cancer that my father had, for instance, it was about ego. Because mm. we talk about under the belt now. Okay. It's about manhood and the ability of him to, to provide and 
keep a family as a leader of the family. And that's, and it's nothing to blame him because that's, that was part of the uh, tradition of how men were raised in East Europe. And bear in mind, we're close to the uh, Arabic part, right? Right. That's really interesting. So to simplify all this, if I extrapolate this, how do I get myself present? Because that it seems to be a huge problem for many people. And that, and that came up every single time into my coaching sessions, mm-hmm. whatever I did. For me, it, tennis, so what you're saying there is that the people are, I found, they're either thinking about the past, worrying about the past. They're not here. They're there or there. Or they're, they're thinking about the future, right? Worrying about but the I'm future. Missing the- yes, exactly. the, the being in the right now, because that's all we really mm-hmm. have. Yes. Well, well, okay. well it's no past, it's no present. Yes. Right. So yes. then in, in tennis coaching, for instance, right? What taught me tennis is to stay present. You're not thinking about the ball that you just missed. Uh-huh. You stay with the ball that is coming. Every single ball is an opportunity to is an option to capitalize fruity on your in your favor or not. And so is with everything that comes in our footstep every time. Mm-hmm. And then coaching people and said, okay, I need you to look a little bit longer at that ball and see the ball leaving your racket. Okay. You go to the stroke, right? And I can see they're here and they look where they're going to hit. Okay. So it's, for me, I translate, and also they, they tap a little bit with legs, right? Which I'm thinking, okay, this is a, ten- I want to relax them a bit. So I say, this is, this session is actually a tennis session, not a salsa. So, because body language does translate all what we feel, insecurities mm-hmm. and everything else. So now I say, okay, so let's say, if you, if you can calm yourself inside, the calmer the environment is inside, the more clarity you're going to have which means brings you to the present. Yes. When you, when you do your best in that very present, I guarantee you're going to have close to zero regrets. I love that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because now you are committed to yourself to give your very best of what you knew with the best knowledge that you had in that very moment. The regrets are minimized to none. Because it's nothing to be blamed. Because you're fully present. The blame. Is, yes. Yes. You also acknowledge, acknowledge and make the distinction. What was that that triggered me that I acted or I reacted? And that's a huge thing. Action, reaction. So in, in one of my programs, I go with five steps. It has a length of three months. And we work three, three times a week. So one will be a prayer, which for me is a color to reconnect with the divine. And mm-hmm. I'm not bringing any religion into it. Right. To it's me, just a, a bringing you t- together into that moment. To who you are. Mm-hmm. You are a, a, a fireball of spirituality. But something else just reshapes you into something different. Yeah. So for me, one element will be the prayer. And I'm not bringing any uh, God or whatever. Well, and, and that's kind of like when, when you go to yoga class and everybody does an OM together, it's connecting with a higher energy and kind of bringing everyone into that moment. Same, same kind of idea. Yeah. yeah. You reintegrate yourself in the collective mm-hmm. energy. 
and we are powerful collectively. Yes. And there are examples that they've been, um, I think Bruce Lipton said that um, it was uh, in one of the times when was um, a collective meditation and prayers set to be together a certain time, certain day, because the criminality somehow raised. In, oh, in, in an area. Way. Yes. I think I've read that in one of his books. Yeah. Yes. And then it went down after several days of uh, this collectiveness prayers, having a lot of um, a compassionate intention to stop the criminality went like, I don't know how many percentage down, but that's huge. It is huge. I'm just going to jump in for one second and, and just say everyone can make a difference if we can come together and pray for peace or pray for the environment or pray for the world. We, we do, we may not think we have that power, but there is a power in that. There is a power. We've been been, uh, a train to lose our power, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And for me, all these uh, modern slavery, you value this much, you value this much, you value 10 pounds an hour, you value 60 pounds an hour, you value uh, sterling, okay, or $100 an hour. Yes, I think Uh that's, it's taken to a degree that teaches people they're worthless or not. Around money, yes. Yes. Well, let's go back to your, I want to hear more about the five. Okay, Okay. so we've got the first. (laughs) So we've got the first, the prayer. The second will be the meditation. So the, the prayer is when you call for help, divine help, and actually okay. connect to your higher self. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for me, Jesus was a spiritual being. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't religious. He wasn't uh, Orthodox. He wasn't Muslim. He wasn't any of that. I'm not disregarding any of that. Mm-hmm. But I think he was a lot bigger picture in there. And he he's probably the the most or the only ascended master that promotes love, unconditional love. Mm-hmm. The, the secret in every single person is encoded or embedded and is blueprinted in your heart. The heart is the, the portal that takes you to the right knowledge that you need. Through that, you can go and um, explore Akashic records about yourself. Now, you will bring along with that a lot of remembering of who you are as a being. Do you want to tell, tell our listeners what Akashic records are, just in case they don't Akashic know? records are a uh, spiritual realms of collectively and individually, where everything you say, you think, you do, you lived, or you're going to leave, is recorded there. Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. It's, like a, it's like a spiritual record that when you do your, when you pass away, you can't say, oh, I didn't say that. Oh, yeah, it's there. <laughs> it's in the records. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and you have an opportunity to reflect on those records after you pass away, right? Yeah. And that's why it's, it's recorded so many times that people say that people in their last, very last moments, they recall their life, uh, this sequence of life, right? Mm-hmm. What they didn't know how they did. Okay, so we're, we're going into the meditation, the second We are into the meditation. Part. That'll be second. The third would be, would be to learn how to manifest what you want. Oh, wow. Now, we all need to learn that. And the key point there is what you want, not what you don't want, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a big one. That's a big one. And eliminating certain words like if and but. 
and try. I keep saying to my, my clients in, in tennis, if Nike would say just try, there will never be Nike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just do it. Just Correct? do it. Which means gets you into a certain commitment and mm-hmm. maybe laser focus to do what you want to do. So the prayer and the meditation sets you off to the prayers, they call it for help. The meditation is the transporter to the real world of visions and imagination. Neville Goddard says the feeling is the secret and it's the name of, of a, one of his books as well. Yes, it's, it's the emotion it behind it, right? But not from outside the situation, but from inside, inside. the situation. Yes, that you really, really can feel what it's like to have what you want. Bob Proctor, Bob Proctor said that you yes. want whatever car, feel, put yourself in a in a, in a chair and feel that, feel yes. the, I don't know, the texture, the whatever. Yeah. So to the details and own it. The problem with manifestation I've seen in a lot of people is they they want they have the imagination, they see the object that they want, but they do not own it. And that imagination, that's a big key there. Own it. Because if I don't own it, I feel that it's a heavy work and steps to get to own it. Scrap that off. There is no hard. Own it now. Believing, believe you shall have. You're going to believe after. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. I have to get it. And then I'll believe that I was going to get it. (laughs) And I think so that shows little fate. Yes, yes, faith. And then the other piece of that, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this, is that then you've got to let it go. And in the sense that you don't know how you're going to get it, and that's okay. You don't that's need to that know faith, right? Because it's the universe will yeah. hear you and then they're going to bring it to you. You just have to have that, then that faith. Yes. And the reason you have to let it go is because if you think you want that object, and you see option one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten options to get that option, uh, that uh, desired object, right? The universe does not see like this periphery, sees from above. How much mm-hmm. do you see from above? If everything, you, everything. Right? Now you will see far, maybe you see 300 options. Mm-hmm. So let it go without attachment and believe that you will have it. Or let the universe complot in such way and to put the puzzles that you will be pretty amazed when you see how it's coming step by step yes yeah because that's the other piece that I've had to learn is it's it's not my timing so it's you can't put a time on it you have to to not do that because oh well I you know waited a week it didn't happen (laughs) you never know when it's going to happen and you have to let that go then you push it like Abraham Hicks says right? You have a contradiction of vibrations. It's my timing. Why is not happening? So every time you push back with a contradiction of vibration, oh, I thought I'm going to have it. I'm not going to have it. Mm-hmm. That's not believing you're going to have it. It's a lack of faith. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so manifesting, are we to the fourth step yet? So we've got prayer, uh, meditation. meditation was, prayer is one. Meditation is two. Third is manifestation. Okay. Now, into manifestation, in order to have a manifestation that helps you to to have desired objects or situations, in fairness, you have to act and correct your behavior in fairness. 
Yes. I, I've been hearing that a lot lately. It's like, you can't just then do nothing, right? You do have to take action. If you, action is the fourth. But if you want to manifest and you want to manifest from unfair point of perspective, you will connect different sources, which can be malefic mm. and can give you that push that you want. But when you're going to see what you have to pay for that, maybe your moral will be compromised. Maybe your integrity will be compromised. We can look at the members of the governments everywhere in the world. Right. Styles of fraudulent stuff. Then the fourth will be the actions. Okay. So the actions that you take towards desire manifestation must be appropriate, must be enforced. So no contradiction of vibrations. Yes. So not having a contrast into that. And then the fifth element is the vocabulary. The words that you use. Is that what you mean? Yeah. You open the Bible. What's in the first page? The word was with God and God was the word. Watch what you're saying. Because mm. every single letter has a vibration. Every single mm-hmm. number has a vibration. A group of letters, which, which composes a word. Yes as a vibration who's speaking me if i say that that vibrates in my every single cell of me what is it attracting what is emitting and we have some um, stereotypes oh like you know what i mean i mean english english people do <laughs> a lot like that you know what i mean no darling just articulate simple what you want read your mind you'll be surprised and i freak you out <laughs> <laughs> and then then you own it if you're articulating it yes properly it's really what yes and with that what else is coming commitment do i honor the divine part in me because that raises responsibility as well so the vocabulary throws you in in few different other areas responsibility commitment respect to self because the less self-worth and self-respect you have it will be in your vocabulary i mean subconsciously because you and, have some programs running in the background there yes and so when someone works with you it's, it's for about three months working through these five steps mm-hmm. yes yeah gosh and this I, is so I interesting take, i take the three months because you can't change you can't make it a spring with one flower yes you know, it takes <laughs> it takes that action <laughs> that work yeah. so i do want to go back for just a little bit to the story about your dad and his passing, because that was what your chapter was about. So share just a little bit about what all that was for you when he was. For me, it was uh, even more shaking up. Mm-hmm. And it made me, push me back into reanalyzing, because I'm mature enough now, reanalyzing my life, my relationships with a maximum honesty that I could. Because when you're you with you, is no, you can't even lie to yourself. You, you gotta be a little bit full to accept mm-hmm. that, right? So it, it threw me into um, uh, looking back to see my relationship with him, with my mother, with other people, school. How did I behave? Why did I behave? And he opened up a huge door to me. And then I went through the same steps that I'm applying in my in my uh, uh, one of the programs. That I have. So you went through it for yourself. Yeah. Yes. 
And yes. it, it gets the depth of you. Some, they're not pretty, but you got to accept it because what determined you to have certain behaviors, what didn't determine you to have, what was a behavior that became a routine. Now you say, oh, that's me. Really? 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 It's you? Yes. Which is huge for me because also he died in my hands. Uh, His head was in my hands. Literally and in your hands. Yes. Wow. Um, I had some uh, paranormal capacity and whatever we call it, paranormal capacities. I did um, out-of-body experience several times, initially uncontrolled. After that, I learned to control them. Um, I managed to do levitation for about 50 centimeters, I would say, off the ground. A lot of fasting into, the, into there. And now when my dad passed away, I did see his soul coming out of his forehead. So it comes out either from here. Yeah, from from, the, from your mouth? Is that what you were mouth? Yeah, it's either from the chest to the top of your last chakra. The the yeah. crown chakra for those. The crown chakra or throughout it. Yes. And okay, it so heart or crown? Or mouth. Or mouth. And his was from where? From the, the crown. The crown. Wow. Was it and a I color? Said, I mean, did you see, was it colors? It Is that what you said? White. Light. Oh my goodness. Because what I understood in that very moment, that white light has left behind all the human experience luggage. Mm-hmm. We all spiritual beings in a human experience. And because we feel so trapped and limited here, causes what it causes. Yes. We don't understand ourselves fully. I I think that's such an honor to be, be with someone when they're passing and that you are able to hold his head like that is beautiful. And to be able to see that soul, that's just beautiful. I was with my mother when she passed and oh, I wish I could have, I wish I had had the gift of being able to see that as well. It's, it's a, it's really a beautiful and sacred moment. I think when you it can is. be with someone it is because it shows you your, your part of the fault or the good things that you understood from that soul and what you didn't mm-hmm. and in, in essence we all balls of light if you want to there was an experiment where neurological doctors they put the moribunds or the, the people who are dying in the very last breath on the scale bed you and know you're, about I know that? what you're going to say I don't think I've ever read that but I think I know where you're going with that There's so many <laughs> Examples of this, they say between 20, before the last breath, to when the soul is leaving the physical apparatus, there's exactly 21 to 25 grams. So there is definitely a weight difference. That so is amazing. That consciousness is in you, in the entire body. Uh, there is a, a superb doctor, professor, neurologist, the same level with Bruce Lipton and Joe Dispenza in Romania is also as part of the neurologues in, in internationally. And he said, I came to a conclusion that consciousness is everywhere. We are ball of, balls of light. We should honor that. We should bring more of that out. Should be more harmonious and peaceful. Yes. And as a neurologue and, and surgeon, he said in all his surgeries, he's never found where the soul is and where the thoughts are. You said, where are your thoughts in my head? Really? 
Right. But we can't find them in there. We can't dig them out. <laughs> yeah. Who, yes. who and what hosts your soul is actually deep in your heart. It's in the heart. In the heart. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah. There's for our listeners, and I'll put this in the show notes, some of these authors that if you want to learn more about this, that, that Bruce Lipton I and give, I can give you a list if you yes. want to. List, yes. There'll be. You can send that to me and I'll put it in the show notes. And that way, if our, our, if our listeners want to study and learn, it's, it's fascinating and will change the way you look at things. It will definitely will change and will open up your horizons from every perspective. If you want looking at life and looking at yourself and the relationship and internet relationship that you, you can have, um, for me, I heard a lot of people saying that the lockdowns were bad. Mm-hmm. For me, they were blessed. They were blessed. I hammered every single month 40 books. 40 books. Woohoo. <laughs> every single summer, every single lockdown of a month or two or three months, we ha- well, whatever we had here. And I, I had books that I read several times because these are not easy books they're theosophical books esoteric books they're books who were kept into a um, small groups of people who can understand these mm-hmm. things really opens up your your horizons with that and i bought these books as well and i had the audiobooks like an audiobook comes between an hour to seven hours Okay, what kind of book was that last one? This last one you just said? No, all these books, mm-hmm. audio books, audio books. Audio books, yeah. audio books. Okay, okay. My uh, <laughs> pronunciation. So the audio books can last between an hour to seven hours. Now, being in lockdown and I did not work, obviously, for me, that was hammer the books. Yeah. And I, I felt the transformation in me. Yes, I I think there were people that were able to take the lockdowns. For me, I did a lot of meditating. I did a lot of walking, connecting with nature, a lot of inward. But but I I enjoy that. Uh, I know for some people it was really confining and claustrophobic to be so locked down. But it's good, right? Yes, yes. Yes. And finding the blessings in those moments. That's, oh gosh, we could talk and talk, but we'll have to, we'll have to have you back on another uh, oh, session so we could keep this conversation going. It's, yeah. it's so uh, fascinating. The lockdown naturally was a stop, a break mm-hmm. for all of us. Stop yes. and look, we're going full speed head on towards something that was not good. And mm-hmm. I think the lockdown had to happen. Collectively, uh, we created. Collectively, we created the war in Ukraine. Uh, that war goes back in 1927 when there are different understandings of uh, different treaties with Russia. The Isle of Snakes in uh, Black Sea was actually Romanian part. So there's a lot of stuff in this. For me, lockdown was something that was say humanity stop. Yes. Stop and think. And and start to pay attention to our environment because that that needed to happen as well as I mean as we see what's happening. 
oh, this planet has a feminine energy. It's an entity mm -hmm. that is screaming out for our help. Yes. We go into cruelty from animals to humans. Uh, I think Aristotle said, when a human will kill an animal, next will be a fellow man. Angela, I have enjoyed this conversation so very much. It's so interesting. I feel like I feel like we could talk and talk and talk. But what I'd like you to do is share with our listeners. Uh, I know you have a special offer for our Unbreakable Spirit listeners. So if you want to share that and then also how they can get in touch with you if they would like to work with you. So the way they can touch, they get in touch with me is all the links that I gave it to you. Yes, and I'll put those in the show notes. I'm happy to even have them calling me or we can do a WhatsApp or Zoom. Could you just whichever. tell them tell them your email real quick, just so if they don't have time to read. Soul, soul, mind, body, performance, one word. Soul, mind, body, performance at gmail.com. Great. And I will put that in the show notes. So uh, if you want to reach out directly to Angela, you, and please make sure you put either Unbreakable Spirit or Jennifer Seven in your subject line so she knows that you heard about her on our podcast. And tell us your special offer. So the special offer I have, as I said to you, my, my uh, sessions last about three months because I do want you to take results. And the first session will be 30% off because it's a session where I want to see how we can connect. If we connect, um, what are the uh, barriers that we have to work on? And if the person wants to commit to that. Some, sometimes the barriers are um, too much or the person is not ready. And, and that's good that you can figure that out and before you yes. launch into the whole thing. Because the entire course is 9,000 pounds for the three months. So if you break it down, actually, it doesn't sound as big. Okay, so uh, 9,000 pounds. Yes. And uh, the first session will be 30% off. And if that goes ahead well, I can also add the 30% on the entire course. Oh, that's wonderful. That's very, very generous of you for our listeners. <laughs> For me, it's it's helping. I do want mm -hmm. to help. Generally, I do want to help. I'm an empath person, but I will also set up so such a healthy boundaries that I do not let myself fall either. Mm -hmm. And I think when it comes to a coaching sessions, we both learn from each other. It's not just that, and that's where my thirty percent comes in because I'm sure I'm going to learn something from you. Yeah. So it's that's... give and take. It's give and take. Um, I'm not. I have bills. Yes, I have my existence. <laughs> uh, I'm not after money. Mm -hmm. And I look into giving value for exchange of money. Well, I generally I, want people to, to be helped because uh, I had so many people that they helped me. And I want to give that in return. And if money wouldn't exist, I would give this for free. Yes, that's really wonderful. Okay, so you guys, I hope you reach out to Angela because this is absolutely fascinating information. Uh, Angela, I appreciate you so much and so glad you came on. And hopefully we'll get another chance to dive deeper into some more of this stuff. So thank you. Thank you so much for being with I us today. Thank you for joining us on Unbreakable Spirit. To learn more about Jennifer and her holistic weight loss approach, visit her website at sevencompany.com. 
That's the number seven company.com. And please join us for our next episode where we'll hear from more women who overcame hardship and learned how to thrive.